Hi everyone and welcome to episode 150 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with Chris. Welcome Chris. Hey everybody. So for those who are wondering who the hell Chris is, he's actually been working with Final Fantasy Union for quite some time and I'm going to let him intro himself actually because uh, I think some of you may be familiar with him already even if you don't know you are. Yeah, sure. Uh, I am Chris DeHook, aka Hookathy. Uh, I've been writing for the website for about two years now, on and off. I had uh, started off with the case study comparison of Final Fantasy versus Legend of Zelda, and I went from there onto the Sins and Triumph series. Uh, you may have seen a couple of the articles, like on 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 Final Fantasy VIII, uh, or the first video form of it for Final Fantasy VII on the YouTube channel back in February. Yeah, which went really well, from what I can see. You know, a lot of people have been saying it's uh, it's been like a really thorough look at the game, and also I think people appreciated the fact that it wasn't just eulogizing Final Fantasy VII, saying it's the best thing ever. There, there is some bad to it too. Yeah, it was a it was a bit of a, a bit of a stretch to find some some complaints, I think, at times. But uh, yeah, I think it was a good look. So, how does it feel to uh, be on the show after all this time? Uh, it's it's a big honor, actually. I've been listening to the show for, for several years now, and to be here for episode 150, no less, is a, it's a great honor. Yeah, it's a, it's a good milestone. And today, to celebrate, we're going to be doing a massive E3 post-mortem, so it's kind of a baptism of fire for you. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that's going to be our main segment for this show. We're going to be doing a massive uh, post-mortem of E3. We're going to be looking at the, the pre-show, but not in too much detail, because obviously we covered that last episode. And then we're going to be looking at the actual show itself, what they covered, what we thought about it, and then kind of looking at some of the stuff that's happened post-show. So obviously we've got the episode Prompto trailer came out that came out, which was obviously a big thing. Um, and yeah, we're just going to just talk about E3 in general, really, and just kind of give our thoughts. And uh, and, and yeah, so that's going to be hopefully quite interesting. Um, uh, yeah, it was an interesting show. I'm just going to leave it at that until we actually get onto it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's one word for it. But yeah, so obviously for you new folks who are listening, uh, Final Fantasy Union is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union, and it's presented by the Gaming Union Network. We have a new show every Tuesday working in rotation with Kingdom Hearts Union, and we come on the iTunes store as well as FinalFantasyUnion.com and our new YouTube channel. We're now going to do some Patreon shout-outs. So this is for everyone who's pledged $2.50. Now, as you probably noticed... Lauren is not with us today. She's feeling a bit sick. Um, and although the, Chris was planning to come on the episode anyway, it's just obviously the two of us. But I'm going to be doing the shout outs myself today. It's going to be an interesting uh, scenario. So hopefully it goes okay. You can do it. I believe in you. Okay, come on. Right. So we're going to kick things off with Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Then we have Christian Burge, Lewis James, Satria Jaya Saddam at Satria 65 Ruben, Tyson Wildman at Ty Wildman 1, Blue Machine, Chris Morales, Eric Decker at Choco Taco, Harley Crawley at Darkseid Tiokami, Jonathan Gonzalez at Oh It's Just Johnny, Josh McNabb at J2K9, Michael Graham, then we have Thorin Bullen at Masca23, Zach Duranto at Zed Duranto58, Brian McCardle at Darth Brain92, Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson, Darren Matthews at Doomster73, Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J, Keith Field at The Mighty Keith, Mary Hooker, Mike Shirley Donnelly at Curious Quail, Mohamed Kayum, Nico Gonzalez at Nick underscore Knack 95, Perry Ramstead, Rachel Casterton at Urbion Ray, Vitanitas, Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels, Zach Porter at Porter Paradox, John McRae, and last but not least, Marcus Karnecki. That is an extremely long list. <laughs> I... Yeah, wow. 
<laughs> that's that's quite a list. That was actually a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I kind of was running out of steam halfway through, but that's amazing. It's, it's fantastic to see so much support for the site. I also very much, yeah, I appreciate the support that Lauren gives me on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so E3, E3 2017. We're going to do our post-mortem now. And I think the best thing that we can do to start off, Chris, is just to kind of give a like a grading of the show. Like how how did you think it went as a whole like including the pre-show and just kind of the stuff that's come after like where would you put it on like that a to f scale uh i'm gonna give it a solid b um just because of my expectations for it uh i didn't expect uh a huge bombshell of a show um although it, it would have been nice to see you know some big announcements come up after the roller coaster we had last year but at the same time i i've had the sense they're resting on their laurels so I'm just glad they were there with something. That being said, what they showed wasn't the most exciting stuff in the world, but uh, and they kind of undercut themselves, uh, which we'll get into with Dissidia. But yeah, solid, solid showing. They had enough. They have a, they, had, they had a presence, and that's about all I expected of them this year. <laughs> I was gonna say a B. A B is a little bit optimistic from my from my point. I was gonna say like a C or a D, because like I think yeah, like um, as you mentioned. Uh, it seemed like a theme of E3 this year in general. Like, I mean, you look at the Microsoft press conference, the Sony press conference, the EA press conference. Most of them were just kind of like, well, we did load of stuff over the last two years. So this year is kind of just letting it chill a little bit. Like the Sony conference, especially, they just showed more gameplay of games they've already announced in the past. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt like Square were doing the same thing because... Yeah, like 2005, they had that massive showing. Last year was pretty good, obviously, because they had the Final Fantasy 15 stuff going everywhere. Right. Um, and uh, this year, it's just kind of like, well, they don't really have anything on the horizon that's that massive at the moment. And obviously, they did have the City NT, which which they announced beforehand. Um, but like, it was it was kind of like a yeah, like it was like an average show. Like it wasn't too it was it wasn't too um, unexpected. And yeah, so I think, I mean, starting off with those pre-show announcements, obviously they had to see the NT, uh, they did a, the launch, like their kind of launch trailer for Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age, uh, and they announced a couple of mobile collaborations, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously last year they, they went in like big with the announcement of the, the Zodiac Age itself, uh, and they announced the release date for World of Final Fantasy before E3 had even started. Like, did you feel as though, okay, I guess, were you expecting them to, to, jump the gun again and and were you happy with what they did jump the gun with i was not expecting that i think after you know outlets like ours were kind of critiquing them for not saving that for the actual show i thought they would have learned their lesson and saved it for you know a proper in conference demonstration i was too happy to see the city actually announced and confirmed finally though so i I was willing to overlook it or forgive it but yeah like it, it would have been nice to see it actually in some kind of big presentation on a main stage like everyone else gets yeah, like the problem with the way they did it, I feel, was that um, they did the con, they did the, like they had the announcement trailer, but that in the West, that's pretty much all we've really got. Like there was a couple of snippets of information, but obviously in Japan, they had a whole press conference where they talked about the game and what we were going to get. And I think it led to a lot of miscommunication and misinformation about what was actually going to be in City NT. And then obviously when E3 rolled around, they tried to, well, they basically had to try and clarify some of the news reports that had come out already, like, there was the whole thing about there was only going to be about 20 characters, which they then said, well, actually, no, there's going to be more than that. They were talking about the UI and uh, 
it was I think it was just like a bit of a yeah, like as you said, it was a kind of a bumbled experience. Like the the announcement beforehand. I think last year with the Final Fantasy twelve Zodiac so Age, it kind of worked because everyone was like everyone really knows what's in Final Fantasy twelve. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really too much of a they didn't they didn't really need to explain anything. And they had a year to do so anyway. But with um the City NT it was kinda of like I don't know, I just I felt like even the demo itself was a bit unrepresentative because they didn't have any villains in it. Like they just it just felt like a bit I don't know, it just didn't feel like it was really that planned out. Yeah, and the, it, there was the whole thing with Noctis being spoiled potentially on Amazon too. I mean, that would have been the perfect place to announce him if they were going to do it. Yeah, I mean, the game's coming out in like within the year. And Noctis is so recognizable right now too to general audiences, so it would have been perfect exactly. to throw him in there. You would have got a lot more attention, but uh, to, to have it wiped off an Amazon listing, <laughs> that's kind of underwhelming. They, they really undercut themselves. Yeah, and then like for the mobile stuff, I mean, you're not really a Brave Exodus player or a Mobius player, right? You're you're pretty much record keeper through and through. I am a, a day one record keeper player, yes. And actually, uh, I was not too kind of Brave Exodus in my review on the site. <laughs> but like, obviously, we know that they're doing collaborations uh, on Brave Exodus and Mobius. But did they announce anything for record keeper around the same time? Or is that just kind of doing its own thing? Uh I didn't see anything about it, actually, uh, which is kind of funny because they announced tie-ins for Final Fantasy XIV for both Rave Exvius and Mobius. Yep. And meanwhile, Record Keeper has one going on right now as we record, uh, like a daily login bonus. It's not a big thing, but, you know, there was nothing even said like, hey, by the way, anyone who plays Record Keeper, you know, log in for special bonuses. Yeah, and I, I feel like I feel like maybe they did that because it's a third-party game. Like, obviously, it's, it's basically run by Dina, right? Yeah. But... But then again, they've just had an active time report where they're openly talking about the new Final Fantasy fifteen MMO that's being developed by like Machine Zone. So I I don't know. It's a, it's a bit strange that kind of Record Keeper just got cut out. And I, I I think that kind of takes us on to Square Enix Presents as well, where they had such a big focus on the mobile games. Like Brave Vector's had three segments, Mobius was in there too, and even the the segments they had were like that. The Mobius and Brave Vector's co segment was quite substantial. Like you kind of you must have been quite antagonized about the fact they didn't have record keeper at all, and they basically act as if it didn't even exist. I'm getting used to it now, actually. Yeah, like, like you're right; it is a, a more of a third party platform, but at the same time, it's well, I mean, it's debatably one of the better ones, depending on well, on my own, on my own, on my own opinion. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like you'd think they'd still be wanting to support it somewhat, right? Like they even went out, went out of the way to remind us that King's Knight exists, but they couldn't even mention the name record keeper. But I mean, with the Square Enix Presents lineup, were you, I mean, before it, before uh, the show happened, were you, were you kind of happy with what they were going to be showing? Because obviously we had the Final Fantasy 15 segment. There were a couple of segments about the city NT. Uh, there was obviously the Mobius, uh, uh, all the mobile segments. They had stuff on Nia. I, I mean, personally, I was quite excited about what they were going to be showing. I think there was a lot of potential there. But what, how do you feel about it? The, the, the only thing that caught me off guard though really was three segments for XVS. Uh, I, I, I don't think it really warranted that much presence, um, especially when you have three platforms on mobile devices and you only talk about one of them for most of the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as far as the the 15 content went too, um, I pretty much expected it to be the episode Prompto show. Would like to see a bit more about episode Ignis. Yeah, I don't know why they're really holding back on that. I guess, I mean, they've said that they're going to be... Uh announcing some stuff at gamescom so maybe they're going to show off there but you, you, you based on the timelines they've had previously you'd expect it to be coming out in september yeah or even like an update on the multiplayer expansion because i'm sure that's got a lot of people excited yeah 
I mean, like, I felt that the the segments they had, yeah, so I, I was quite excited about it beforehand, but I, the actual segments themselves didn't, I didn't feel they really played out that well. I mean, like, the City NT, they had a great opportunity to showcase it to fans. It's like the Square Enix Presents show, so they're kind of preaching to the choir, mm-hmm. really. There's not going to be too many people signing in and watching that live that aren't actually fans of Square Enix. Yet they just really kind of dumbed it down and they treated basically like the audience is, is kind of stupid. Like this, the Decidia stuff was just like, I mean, the, the, the questions thing they did where it was like top five most wanted questions or whatever. And, but it was from internal staff members and they asked them questions like, why did, why is the bravery system a thing? <laughs> or like, why did you make the bravery system? And they were just like, well, we didn't make it. It was someone else who made the first game. And they were like, um, you know, what's your favorite character to use? And it's like, is, is are these really the most answered questions about the game? <laughs> because I don't think they are. Just or most asked, I, say, I should say. The strangest case of uh, of nepotism there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like they had like they had loads of fans just standing outside the booth. They could have just asked them, "What do you want to know about the city and tea?" <laughs> I'm just, I'm still reeling at the silliness of those questions. Uh, well, obviously the bravery system's there because it was in the first two mega successful games. Why would they reinvent the wheel? Yeah, uh, like a better question would have been, well, why is it three versus three now? Yeah, or even like you know, um, can you give us an idea about like the upcoming champions you're going to have in the game, or you know, like just just something that was that we didn't actually know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just they kind of bugged me a little bit, and I can even um, like the, I think the mobile the mobile segments actually even though I've been harping on the fact they probably focused too much on the mobile, they were probably the most, like, the best put together. Like, the guys who work on uh, Mobius and Ravexius, just, they just seemed like they had just had fun. They just seemed like a right laugh. So I kind of enjoyed watching those segments. Chris is now thinking, ah, damn those mobile things. <laughs> if Record Keeper was there... Well, it, it's... I'm, I'm not sure what kind of a lead time uh, Bravexvius and Mobius have, but maybe Record Keeper... Like, I know they operate on a like global the, the global version of the game operates on a six month um, time lapse you could say like the japanese version is six months ahead of where we are now so maybe they figure there's no point in trying to hype this stuff the people who care about it are already on the forums getting all the information as it is or again just because it's third party well, i mean with the with the brave x one they were they have, they've just announced the first global exclusive character but most of the other stuff they were announcing for other games, like the Mobius Final Fantasy XII tie-in, I think that happened already in Japan like a while ago. Um, so they, yeah, a lot of the stuff they were talking about, I think Brave Exvius had some more exclusive stuff for the global edition, but most of it was just kind of repeats of what's happened in the Japanese version. And even with the the announcement of Zargarath as the exclusive character, they were just like, Japanese games, don't worry, you're going to get <laughs> him at some point. Like, it's it's not, it's, you know, don't worry about it, don't freak out. Pitchforks down. Yeah, I think because they're just so used to being like, the, yeah, like the number one version of the game and getting everything first that they had to kind of just re- really reassure them that like they're not forgetting about the Japanese game. Like, it's still, it's still good. <laughs> it's great, you know. That being said, it was kind of nice to see them saying something about having guaranteed five-star units from the, from the summons. Um, I know that was something that redefined my enjoyment of Record Keeper uh, about a year ago when they brought that in. Um, and honestly, that was one of my biggest complaints with Brave Exvius was some of the summon rates. Yeah, so I mean, like, with with the Square Enix percent, I mean, most of it, like, the city entity stuff was kind of meh. 
But like, obviously, the Final Fantasy 15 universe segment was, I think, from my perspective, the thing I was most interested in. Obviously, it's like the biggest kind of game that's still going around. Um, I mean, obviously, you watched the segment. What did you What did you think about it? Like, what, were you happy with what they showed? Uh, episode prompto was really was really interesting. Uh, although it seems like they're packing a lot of content into one segment of this of this DLC plan considering the time frame this must take place and he's you know he's off doing all these extreme sports and <laughs> yeah. uh, and all this during a very short period of in in story time uh i, I was starting to get some some flashbacks to dirt or cerberus with some of those over the sh- shoulder uh images yeah and it's kind of weird because they've they've come out and said like yeah it's a third person shooter but if you're not really good at those games you'll still be okay with it <laughs> it's like okay well why are we doing it this way then yeah but like i mean like, obviously monster of the deep is a thing do you even have playstation vr is it something that you're you'd be remotely interested um, in? it's something i'm much more interested in now after watching um sony's big um big footage reel uh and up until recently it wasn't really interesting to me however i also don't have six hundred dollars lying around to buy it uh to buy it to buy a peripheral for a system when i could yeah to play a Final Fantasy 15 spin-off title. Yeah, I, I'm not sold on it for that alone. And uh, if the price was lower, maybe. But it's weird to me too that it's a standalone game too. It's a standalone entity. Yeah. Like, how is that gonna is it gonna tie in to save files somehow? I don't know. I mean, it the game itself. Obviously, when they announced it during the Sony conference, there was a lot of backlash from fans. I think on the PlayStation channel on YouTube, it's got like 70% dislikes. Um, I mean, I, and I can understand why. Obviously, they kind of set expectations around that episode prompto, or sorry, like the prompto gun game experience, mm-hmm. and then they just kind of didn't didn't talk about it for almost a year, well, basically, is a year, and then they come back with a fishing game, now, which one, was not remotely what anyone was expecting. No, definitely not. One thing I'm not really sure on is that old uh, footage that like is that game mode entirely cut from Final Fantasy 15 proper. Are we still going to get that as a part of a DLC or update for Final Fantasy 15, or do we just get the standalone fishing game now? They were a bit coy on that. Actually, I think they spoke about it in the the, the Active Time report that just happened. And um, I think Tabata, or, or maybe it was the director of the DLC, they were basically talking about how they they wanted to do that, but they found it was going to be too resource heavy or something hmm. like that. So they decided that they they just work on the fishing game instead because it would be easier for them to make. But then Tabata started saying that the guys who were working on the Prompto one, they they got moved on to working on something else that may or may not have also been VR related. So like, who knows? There could be another VR game in the works. They could be working on something else completely different. But yeah, like I, I think, yeah, people were just a bit underwhelmed about the fact it was just a fishing game. But it, it sounds like it's more than just a fishing game, if that makes sense. Like, obviously, the mechanics are way more detailed and advanced than what we saw in the Final Fantasy XV fishing game. I mean, they haven't gone into too much detail about the like the campfire scenes and stuff like that. But, you know, just from the trailer, you can see there's much more interaction in the campfire scenes between you as the playable character and then the four guys. So, like, it's, it's a weird one. I think it's just, as, like, the Final Fantasy franchise... Do we really want a fishing game? Probably yeah. not. Does it make sense for VR? Absolutely. Like a VR fishing game is one of the things that just and like there's always been those fishing games like bass fishing and like even like um, Sonic Adventure and stuff had like fishing games and 
like Final Fantasy fourteen, everyone loves fishing. People just love fishing. I think it was just the fact that people just weren't expecting it to be a fishing game and it's just kind of like they just it was a knee jerk reaction for them just go, I don't like this. Take it away. Get away get it away from me. Well hey now gamers don't have knee jerk reactions. No, of no. course not. Never. That being said, you know, maybe there maybe there is a chance to bring in some some other non RPG players into the Final Fantasy experience a little bit. Um I'm not sure if there's any other fishing simulators on playstation vr yet no i think it might actually be the only one so if it's the only the only option for that particularly vibrant subgenre of gamers uh maybe it'll bring some people into the franchise who knows yeah like i really enjoy these campfire scenes with these guys i really want to learn more (laughs) about them why don't i go and pick up final fantasy 15 (laughs) yeah i i kind of hope that uh, prompto or prompto's little gun mini game is still in Final Fantasy 15 in some capacity because if I if I did invest $600 in this shiny peripheral I'd want all the content for it that I could get I mean there is a kind of a, a shooting element to the fishing game well <laughs> so I don't think they really showed it in any of the trailers but uh, they did talk about it and they said that when you pull out some of the stronger fish then you have to shoot them with crossbows to stun them <laughs> well that hardly counts I think <laughs> It's still shooting in some that's form. True. That's true. That, that check marks <laughs> is marked. That's true. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. So I, I felt that Square Enix Presents, it could have been a lot better than it was. Um, I, I feel like a lot of the time they were just kind of struggling to find stuff to put in the time that they had. And also, like, there was so many, there was so much off time. Like, a segment would end, and then it would be, like, half an hour, 45 minutes until the next one, and they'd just keep rolling the same trailers around and around and around. Mm. I don't know whether they should necessarily do it again next next E3. I think it's it's had a, a kind of role in the past years when it was a lot more serious, but this year, they, I mean, Yoshida uh, was over there, but, like, I don't know. It just, it just felt like this year, like, they didn't really have that much stuff to talk about, and instead of just saying okay, we're not doing it this year. They were just like, well, we really, we have to do it. What can we put in it? Uh, okay, well, we should just do like an, a near segment where we're just going to try and beat this boss and everyone's going to laugh at us. It's like, well, did did that really need to happen? Because everyone was expecting it to be like Yoko Taro and um, Yasuki Saito talking about near, something new for near. So the expectation was just not there at all um or like they didn't meet the expectation that people had and then like yeah the, the, the brave x fist segments i think they closed out the show with one of the guys just playing Brave vex fist on his personal account <laughs> wow like is that the kind of thing that are like a multi-million pound japanese video game publisher should be doing in like the biggest showcase they have i mean it's probably it's not. kind of funny every year because you know e3 has been going on for 20 plus years and i think developers still don't know what to do with the time they have on stage no. uh game developers generally don't make the best presenters normally so uh that's why i kind of enjoyed sony's conference this year where they just said hey here's some footage uh we're like we're not going to make these grand uh grand marketing statements to you like we you you know what it is here's here's some footage let it speak for itself yeah it's it's the easier way to go and i think that yeah like with scrunch presents it was just like they just were trying they were trying to find things to talk about and I think they they had obviously with the like the the Brave Exodus and Mobius one. I think that was the most interesting one for me because they actually had things they wanted to talk about. They had announcements they were going to run through. They talked about some stuff they shouldn't have done. It was actually like an engaging, entertaining segment. Whereas like the Final Fantasy fifteen one, it was basically here's everything that we've already talked about numerous times. We need to find a fresh way of talking about the same thing again. 
and it just felt a bit contrived. I, it, you know what I mean? It just, it was like, oh, uh, the Final Fantasy 15 universe is amazing, but everyone watching this right now already knows everything about it because these things came out six months ago. Um, they exist still. <laughs> Please be excited. They're great. Yeah. Here's some episode prompto stuff. That being said, too, they, they, they could have filled some time with, um, with 30th anniversary type segments, too. Like, you know, even if there's no yeah. new games to announce for, they could have at least, you know, showed like a sizzle well, reel. Well, they or had something. one at the beginning. They had one at the beginning where they interviewed Hashimoto. And they, again, they asked like really weird questions like, in your opinion, what makes a Final Fantasy game? <laughs> like, how, I just, <laughs> and like, um, how do you feel like i think they were asking like um the atb system and if it's going to transition into mobile games and like just kind of weird stuff what a weird question i mean it already has it's called record keeper Um, yeah like i didn't i don't know what they they were really doing and i think like moving on to the the stuff that's happened after e3 obviously we've just had a really awesome episode prompto trailer but i don't really understand why they didn't want to show that during e3 and they waited like a week after to release it separately. Yeah, same same thing with why they would why they would announce a big new title before the show. Like you have the stage here, why not throw it in then? I mean, I guess part of the argument would be that they're trying to do it when there's less competition around, so there's more focus on on their games. But you know, like the the episode prompt was it kind of suffered the same fate as the CNT. Like they announced a release date in like a trailer, which wasn't no one was looking at it expecting to see the re- release date for episode prompto and it, there it was in like small text and then like yeah they released the actual trailer after e3 and it was it was such a good trailer i mean we're not really going to talk about what was in it because it's completely 100 percent spoilers <laughs> yeah but um <laughs> but like it was probably one of the best trailers i've seen for final fantasy 15 in general in general I, I don't know if you felt the same about that but i just i just thought it was so the the story content was really on point. Like the stuff they've announced that's going to be in it was really on point, and just the way they presented it was really really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I went from having almost no interest in this uh, DLC outside of getting some answers for the actual story to being actually pretty excited for it to the point where I almost went and ordered the season pass on the spot. I still haven't picked it up. So whoa, Chris, calm down, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a, they, they say please be excited, and I was. Um, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, actually, it's. I was actually wondering during the like during the story snippets from the trailer, like I was wondering, you know, was this stuff that was cut from the game that are just now putting it into the DLC while the, after they develop these mini games? Like, what's the timeline on the development here? Yeah, I mean, it's really it's 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 so hard to tell that kind of stuff, isn't it? But I mean, I will say that there are some characters that perhaps didn't get so much screen time in the main yes. game that now appear and have their motivations hopefully explained. Um, Aranea is appearing as a guest character, which is pretty awesome. We didn't, we didn't know that before. Um, and yeah, obviously there's, there's, I, there's lots of different weapons that Prompto's going to use. He pulls out bazookas, machine guns, sniper rifles. He does like stealth kills, close combat stuff. Um, he gets to ride a snowmobile and do like time attack modes with that kind of stuff as well. So it looks like there's going to be a lot to do. And I think the thing that interested me the most was that with episode Promptus, it was kind of episode Promptus. <laughs> gladiolus um it that one was the one where it felt like they just didn't they they needed to make an episode like a dlc pack but they didn't really know what to do with it like the story motivations behind it were really were really tame uh, and the content itself wasn't like the best whereas 
with Prompto, it seems like they're learning a lot more for it. So the the DLC story narrative actually makes sense within the rest the context of the game, as far as I'm aware. At least, obviously, we don't know the actual full nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, like they're they're making it so there's the core gameplay, but then there's side missions to do. Um, there's obviously different experience. Like you've got the the kind of snowmobile stuff, which is obviously different again. So it, it feels like it's a lot more expansive than what Episode Gladiolus was able to offer. Yeah, it, it's almost like they had these ideas for the for the game proper and just didn't have a way to introduce them, so they just shoehorned them in here. Yeah, which is, I mean, if it's a good DLC pack, it's a good DLC pack. Yeah, no, it's if if it's good, I don't mind paying for it. But if it's just something they cut and just crammed in here and charged an arm and a leg for, then then you're begrudgingly pay for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, yeah, obviously, as, as a I thought, E3 this year for Square Enix was. It was a C. It was a C or D for me. I think. I, I think the big thing for me was that the Final Fantasy VII remake just wasn't there at all. And I know that it's one of those things where, really, there shouldn't have been the expectation that it was going to be. But you know, they announced it two years ago now, and there was all the stuff that came out about the Final Fantasy VII remake in the weeks leading up to E3 about like the development changes and like the fact that they're really staffing up quite heavily now. And Demura earlier in the year saying that he wants to show it off at one of the biggest shows of the year. So, like, I just feel that it was like a massive missed opportunity for them. Do, like, did you, were you expecting it to appear? I, I had no hopes for it. That being said, every time a new trailer started during the Sony show, I got excited and, uh, was thinking, oh, maybe, maybe this is it. But yeah, no, I, I, I didn't expect it. It would have been amazing to show and it would have been, it would, it, it would have really restoked the fires of excitement for that game. But uh, no, I wasn't holding my breath for it. Yeah, and I, I guess it, I'm still, I'm a little bit tentative now as to whether it's even going to appear at Gamescom or the Tokyo Game Show, because I feel like with the development changes they've gone through, maybe they've kind of had to just take a step back and they don't really want to talk about it right now because then it's going to start building up the hype again and people are going to expect to see more information. And yeah, they're they're definitely going the Kingdom Hearts three route with this, where if you don't have um, solid things to show, maybe they shouldn't show anything at all. Because we're still talking about it two yeah. years later, and yeah. Like we've been like like you've been saying on the show recently, like they're giving us these details and making these promises. You know, Final Fantasy Fifteen is coming in September, guys, and then no, it's not. Like if they hadn't actually made that announcement and just you know when they knew it was going to be November, they said it then. You know, we, you wouldn't have had the same negative backlash. So I think they've learned their lesson from that, and they're just keeping us waiting. Yeah, because I mean, based on everything that's happened so far, there was no need to announce the Final Fantasy Seven remake when mm-hmm. they did. The only the only positive I can see is that it stopped them getting questions about the Final Fantasy VII remake. Well, those specific questions, at least, yeah, yeah. But then now they've already been people asked them what what else are you going to remake? Are you going to remake six? Are you going to remake eight? Are you going to remake nine? Well, and then they even fanned that particular fire by uh, by saying that if hey if yeah. Zodiac Age does well, we might do others, guys. Wink, wink. Uh, they just don't know how to stop themselves. No, today. it's. I mean, I, I don't mind. I don't mind good remakes like zodiac age seems to be um i do I, I do want you know 16 to come out within the next 10 years which <laughs> who knows at this point yeah i mean like personally i would prefer they just kind of stopped worrying about final fantasy 15 dlc and just focused on final fantasy 16 instead and just had that like if they did final fantasy 15 came out in 2016 right if they if they if final fantasy 16 was going to come out next year that would be perfect i would be that would be the best thing they could possibly mm-hmm. do because even though Final Fantasy XV's had like a kind of mixed reaction, it sold really well. 
it put the franchise back in the limelight but they're just kind of just kind of doing the bare minimum to keep it relevant right now but as a company they don't really have anything that's that exciting happening yeah like those resources probably would be better spent on something something new but um you know, Square's trying to adapt to this new business model that the gaming industry has where you're not selling games, you're selling platforms. Like you're selling a, like a Destiny is a is a three-year experience with all these other DLCs, for example. Yep. Um, I think they're doing a decent job of adapting to that model, but at the same time, they could have left 15 the way it was when it was released. I'm glad they're revamping Chapter 13, but if it had been left the way it was, it would have been fine. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's interesting you point out Destiny as well because obviously... Destiny 2 is a thing. Uh, it hasn't taken them that long. And they were also working on the persistent world of the first game too. Like, if Square could follow a similar model, I'd be perfectly happy with yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. But they just, they're just kind of finding their feet a little bit. It's just like, it, it's always a case of they seem to be finding their feet a little bit. And it, they never really actually have a, a decent plan. Like, the only thing that's really gone well for Square Enix Japan in recent times is Nier Automata, which wasn't even developed by them. <laughs> so... Yeah. yeah, I mean, like on that note, like obviously E three's gone and got uh, like been and dusted now. Um, we know that Gamescom, there's going to be some stuff around Final Fantasy fifteen. Tabata, I think on the Active Time Report was saying that in the past they haven't really delivered when it comes to announcements. Um, they've they've made a lot of like miss announcements. They've, as you mentioned, yeah, with the release dates, they've they've got things wrong. Everything's kind of just got out of hand in some areas. Um, with, with Gamescom, they've said they want to try and right those wrongs so they, they've said they're going to make some really big announcements for final fantasy 15 which i feel is like setting themselves up for a fall in a way yeah pride comes before the fall i think they're I'll, I'll, I'll believe him when when i see it i mean i'm definitely expecting something around episode ignis because he said that um but i don't really know what else to expect because well they've said they're gonna like, probably gonna talk through the survey results uh, which they said there's like over half a million around half a million people that have taken wow. the survey which is i was quite surprised it's actually really surprising yeah i suppose they have the multiplayer uh what the multiplayer dlc to talk about as well yeah if they choose to i mean it seems like there's a lot of work been going into that especially with the kind of character creation stuff they talked about yeah speaking of speaking of things about speak, speaking of things i didn't need character creation yeah <laughs> like one person asked for it and they were like yeah let's put it in there's loads of demand yeah, ga- gamers there. love these things these days don't they yeah character creation it's great open world yeah fantastic yeah thanks thanks Tabata yeah. <laughs> but yeah like are you I guess like obviously we've got the Zodiac Age coming out in a couple of weeks now um, but then the next thing on the horizon really for us is the City NT and then after that there's there's nothing right now. So I mean, are you expecting them to start talking a bit more about kind of fresher Final Fantasy games for the like in the rest of the year? Like, do you think Gamescom is they're gonna start talking about some new stuff and Tokyo Game Show? They might talk about some new stuff, or do you think we're kind of done for now? I'd like to think that they will, but like you say, we don't really know much on the horizon outside of those two projects. Um, I I'd, I'd love to see some big announcements. You know, maybe they'll have an idea what remake they're going to do next or something. Maybe they'll announce 16. Who knows? I'm not holding my breath for anything exciting there, except for more 15 DLC. But I'm, I would love for them to prove me wrong. I think we all would. I think we all please, would. Because, please, yeah, like, prove me wrong. If they're just going to announce more 15 DLC, then it's not the most inspired thing. Maybe they're going to announce another VR game. Maybe another standalone thing. Uh, but I don't know. But if they make a good VR game, then I'm going to have to spend six hundred dollars on a on a headset. It's it's 
it's a it's a blessing and a curse, I guess. <laughs> all right, so I think that's pretty much all we've got for the E3 wrap up. Um, unless you've got anything else you want to add, Chris? No, I, I, like I said, it was a decent showing because like we don't, we don't there's not a lot to show necessarily. So I it's pretty much what I expected a quiet, reserved kind of E3. Yeah, hopefully next year. Next year, we can already start thinking about how amazing it's going to be, but who knows what's going to happen between now and then. I mean, yeah, like we could have some new games to talk about. I think the City NT should be out by then Hopefully, anyway. Yeah. So maybe they'll have nothing to talk about. Maybe they'll have nothing apart from the Final Fantasy VII remake that may or may not be happening still. Yeah, maybe next year is the year of the, the Seven remake. Who knows? Here's hoping. All right, so yeah, that was the E3 recap. We're now going to go on to our music for this episode, which is from Final Fantasy X. It's an arrangement of Tuzana Kand, and it's by my good friend TPR and Roxanne Geno, uh, which is a piano and cello combination. Hmm. So it's a slightly different mix-up. Uh, I actually went to the um, the launch party for his new album, or the, their new album, I should say. Um, so yeah, if you are interested in Final Fantasy arrangements, be sure to uh, check out TPR and uh, yeah, check out the new album. Awesome. So, the next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out on the 11th of July. If you want to subscribe to us, please head over to the iTunes store. Uh, just search for Final Fantasy. We are, I think we're pretty much still the top podcast for Final Fantasy. Number one. And of course, if you want to check out us on YouTube as well, please do so. We're closing on 30,000 subscribers on our main account now. And we've just created a second channel for the podcast, which I'm going to try and upload the podcast to. It's it's really time dependent. It takes, it takes ages to render these videos because they're so long. <laughs> Like I have to, I have to set aside like an hour to render the video, and then like another like however long to upload the video. It's it's uh, it it's surprising how much that actually kind of locks you down because you can't really do anything no, else. No, it's a long waiting game. Yeah. So um, yeah, and obviously if you want to catch the news coverage that we do, then please check out the main website funpantsunion.com. And uh, Chris should have. We're working on a new video. It should come up, hopefully, come up within the month. Hopefully, hopefully, maybe. yeah. Is that what we're playing? We're aiming for. It's going to be, it's going to be an interesting topic. It should be, yeah. I don't think anyone's going to expect it. A little out of left field. Please, please reserve your pitchforks until the end. Yeah, I don't think anyone's ever talked about it either. Right? Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. So that's going to be an interesting one. And yeah, like obviously, if you want to support the podcast, then please head over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash ffkhunion. All right, Chris. Um, hopefully you've enjoyed your time on the show. It'll be good to have you back again sometime. Yeah, for sure. It's been an honor. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. If you would like to say your goodbyes to everyone in the community. Bye, everybody. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production. <laughs>